Sometimes in preparation for the lessons, you want to do something that has some, maybe some tie-ins to some current events. Several months ago, when planning the lesson for this morning, I thought about an event that happened about a year ago. I did not realize that it would correlate to an event that is also happening uh, at this very time. It's been just about a year since fire took place in East Tennessee in the Gatlinburg area. While at the same time this year, there are numerous fires that are going on in the state of California in and around the area of Los Angeles. When you think about the fires that occurred in Gatlinburg, 14 people died. Not only did 14 people die, but there were 134 people injured in that event. More than 15 square miles of that area was burned completely. Over 2,000 buildings were destroyed or damaged. Many of you may know that the Gatlinburg Church of Christ burned to the ground. There was nothing left of it. Those brethren are now having to meet in a rented building in preparation of building a new one. I would say most of us would consider that a tragedy. I know personally I watched a number of videos during that period of time on the internet. I saw one where a family was leaving their home on top of the mountains. There was fire all the way around them, and as they were driving out, they were recording it on their cell phone. Young people in the car, fire on both sides of the road, and thinking, I would be scared if I was there. Thinking about the lives of those people who were going to be lost. What's sad, though, it was caused by two teens. Two young men decided that they wanted to start fires... And they callously did not think about the lives of those people they would be affecting. Those 14 men and women whose lives were precious to them and their families. The 134 people whose lives were being damaged. The cost in human life alone was just uncalculable. And you think about the cost in heartache. People who had built those homes that they had lived in, some of them, most of their lives. Now to see it gone. Now I want to talk to you about two other young men. Two young men who came in before the Lord and fire came out from the Lord and killed those two young men. There's a whole lot to be learned about that. When I go to the New Testament, I realize in Romans 15 and verse 4 that whatever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Those great lessons that are there are to teach us something, for us to learn something. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 11, Paul said they were written for our admonition upon whom the end of the ages has come. It's to try to get us to think differently when we see how God reacted to those people. So for a few moments, 
we want to study the first part of Leviticus chapter 10. Here's the three things that I would like for us to cover in this lesson. The first one is very simple, that of being consecrated servants. Nadab and Abihu should have been young men set apart, dedicated, focused on serving God and the great privilege that they had. But rather than being consecrated servants, they became calloused sinners. Rather than being concerned about what they were doing and how that might affect God and ultimately how it might affect them, they just simply did not think, did not care. And when we get to the end of the lesson, I think there's some things that you and I ought to draw from that, and that is we're going to talk about a careful service of God. Let's begin our lesson now as we focus on the book of Leviticus. If I were to ask you which book of the Bible is your favorite, I imagine many of us would say, well, it's probably Psalms or Proverbs. Some of you may say Acts or the book of Hebrews. I doubt very many of you would say, oh, I just love the book of Leviticus. The book of Leviticus is a guidebook for the priest, and it's written like a guidebook. You do this, you do it this way, you do it how I tell you to do it. It focuses on what the priests are supposed to do. In fact, in chapters 1 through 7, he talks about the offerings. You have the burnt offering, you have a wave offering, you have a peace offering, you have a sin offering. Oh, there's all kinds of offerings there. Well, how am I supposed to do it? How am I supposed to offer this gift versus that gift? And are there any limitations for it? Then when you get to chapters 8 and 9, there's regulations for the priest. What kind of clothes are you going to wear? Where are you going to go when you go in and do this or do that? They needed to prepare themselves to serve God. I want you to listen to chapter 9, verses 22 through 24. Then Aaron lifted his hand toward the people, blessed them, and came down from offering the sin offering, the burnt offering, and the peace offerings. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting and came out and blessed the people. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. When the people saw it, they shouted and they fell on their faces. Now I want to get your attention here for just a moment. You see, we've assembled here for the very purpose of offering praise and adoration and glory to God. So the children of Israel, they're at the tabernacle. You've got Moses, you've got Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and the others that are carrying out this sacrifice. And when they put the fat on the altar, it says fire comes out and everybody sees it. This is a momentous event. To the point that everybody, they shout and they fall on their faces. Can you imagine this morning as you and I were partaking of the Lord's Supper, if the Lord had had a manifestation that had just come up immediately and gotten all of our attention, 
I think some of us would probably have said, whoa, I better be careful about the way I partake of the supper. God's got my attention. He had the attention of all the Israelites as they were prepared there to offer their sacrifices. You see, priests were to be a special people for the Lord. Exodus 19, verse 22, And let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. Oh, do you mean when I come before the Lord, I have to be holy? I have to be prepared to offer my worship to God? Absolutely. You don't come in half prepared before God. He said, if you do, I will break out against you. Those words there, break out. What does that mean? What does that convey? Well, in 1 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 13, you have the children of Israel and the Ark of the Covenant is being brought to Jerusalem. David has decided it needs to be put on a cart, in fact, a new cart, and it needs to be brought there, and one of the men coming along with it was a man by the name of Uzzah. The ox stumbled Uzzah stuck out his hand to stabilize the Ark of the Covenant. And do you know what happened? The Lord killed him right there. David did not know how to handle that matter at that time. Later on, he said, you know what? We're going to bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem the right way. 1 Chronicles 15 verse 13 says, For you did not do it the first time. The Lord our God broke out against us because we did not consult Him about the proper order. God broke out. His anger flashed. And He took the life of Uzzah. That's what God said to the children of Israel, to the priest, when you serve before me, you don't want me to break out against you, you better do what's right. Those who serve God are special because they serve a special God. And Nadab and Abihu had a special calling. Their father is Aaron. He is the high priest. Nadab and Abihu, one of those boys is going to become the next high priest. Should nothing change. These young men were privileged. In Exodus chapter 24, verses 9 and 10, Then Moses went up, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and the seventy elders of Israel. And they saw the God of Israel. And under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone, and it was like the very heavens in clarity. Oh, they've seen a manifestation of God. These young men are not deprived they're supposed to be consecrated services God has shown them something but as you look at these two young men you see at least three possible problems you know that at least one of them or two of them is true but maybe all three of them let's let's notice what they are 
First of all, they offered strange fire which God had not commanded them. That's very plain. If you look at verse 1, he says, They offered profane or strange fire which the Lord before the Lord which he had not commanded them. Number 2, when you look at the context of Leviticus chapter 10, it's very possible that these young men were intoxicated. You said, what do you mean by that? I mean drinking wine. Beginning with verse 8, we read, Then the Lord said to Aaron, or spoke to Aaron, saying, Do not drink wine or intoxicating drink, you nor your sons with you, when you go into the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations that you may distinguish between the holy and the unholy, between the unclean and the clean. See, these young men very likely had imbibed in some wine. A third thing was attempting to go into the most holy place at will. In other words, just when I want to go in there. Here you have the tabernacle. The first part is called the holy place. Beyond the curtain inside is the most holy place. And it is special. Leviticus chapter 16. Now the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of two of Aaron's sons. And when they offered profane fire before the Lord and died. And the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron your brother not to just come at any time come into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat which is on the ark lest he die for I will appear in a cloud above the mercy seat. You see he ties this with Nadab and Abihu. He says you don't just come anytime you want to. You come when I command you. For just a few minutes let's just sort of explore those three ideas. The idea of profane fire is the word meant something that was foreign. Something that was not the standard. The best way I can think of to illustrate this, some of you younger people may not get this, but I grew up and my father was a car dealer. We had an automotive shop as well as a body shop there. and We used a lot of wrenches when I was a child. And they were all in the form of a fraction of an inch. A half inch, nine sixteenths, three quarters. Somebody come up with a bright idea of 10 millimeters, 14 millimeters. And, and I remember when those wrenches first came out. and Well, go bring me a wrench. And you bring one and it's, it's foreign because they were for foreign cars. That's the idea. Something that is not natural. Something that is, that is distant for somewhere else. The word was used to warn them about offering strange incense before God. Listen to Exodus chapter 30 verse 9. You shall not offer strange incense on it or a burnt offering or a grain offering nor shall you pour a drink offering on it. The altar of incense only was to have the incense that God had designated. Couldn't come from just anywhere. There was also a correct place to get the fire. 
You see, if they offered strange fire, profane fire, fire that was foreign, where did it come from? I don't know where it came from. I tell you what I do know, it did not come from where God told them. Leviticus chapter 16, verse 11, 12. He says in verse 12, He shall take a censer full of burning coals from the fire from the altar before the Lord with hands full of sweet incense, beaten fine, and bring it inside the veil. There was a place to get the fire. God designated it. And they didn't do it. The fire was from somewhere else. Now we're going to make some application of this in a little while, but I want you to understand, God was specific. This is what I want. This is when I want it. This is where I want it. And this is how I want it. Second thing, let's look at that idea of don't drink. Why would these two young men make such a grave mistake? I think about these young men. Why would you do something like this knowing that the presence of the Lord is in this place? It's very possible that they were intoxicated because when people are intoxicated, they do strange things. They see strange things and they act in strange ways. In Proverbs 23, verse 33, your eyes will see strange things and your heart will utter perverse things. I've seen a number of people who, if they were not intoxicated, would be nice and kind and helpful and you put a little bit of the devil's brew in them and they become belligerent and angry, and they become the kind of people who do things that they wouldn't ordinarily do. And according to Leviticus chapter 10, verse 10, he said, lest they not be able to distinguish between the holy and the unholy, between the unclean and the clean. Well, now for just a moment, think about that most holy place. You go in there and that is the realm of God's domain. There is the Ark of the Covenant and there is on the top of that Ark of the Covenant a mercy seat and two cherubim and the smoke of God's presence would be there at the mercy seat. It was the most holy because God was there. And if you go in there, you have to be appropriately dressed and you have to offer what God has told you to offer. And I'll go ahead and throw this in. It could only be the high priest and it could only be once a year on the Day of Atonement. Leviticus 16.4, he'll put on his holy linen tunic and the linen trousers, and he shall be girded with a linen sash, and with a linen turban he shall be attired. These are holy garments, therefore he shall wash his body in water and put them on, verse 13. And he brings it in, and he says, you do that lest you die. Now if all three of these aspects were involved, then here's what I I see. Intoxicated men carried out some careless acts. They went in behind the veil without proper respect. 
without proper authority. One going in had to first offer the sacrifices for his own sins and then for the sins of others. And these young men went in without respect, without honor to the God of heaven. God must be regarded as holy. Leviticus 10 and verse 3, This is what the Lord spoke saying, By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before the people, I must be glorified. Now folks, let's talk about us now. I think you've gotten the picture, if you've followed along, that they were supposed to be consecrated servants. They were calloused in their sin. But now, what does that mean for the church at Bobby Branch today under the New Testament time? What does it call for us to do? What does it call for us to be? When it comes to holy things, we can't tamper with the way God has told us that they are to be done. You see, we live in a world today that is full of Nadabs and Abihus. People who act as if I can do what I want to do and God will accept it. And that's not the case. God will not accept just anything. My worship must be at God's directions and not by my desire. He's told me what He wants. Explained it in detail throughout the letters of the New Testament. And yet there's some strange practices being brought into God's services today. I could spend a little bit of time talking about those, but I don't know that it, for the purpose of this lesson that would be beneficial right now. But I know there's a lot of people who look and say, well, why did God have to kill these two young men? Was it so bad that when they offered this strange fire that God had to take their lives, to burn them up. Is that not really harsh? God had to make a point. I'd suggest to you God has made points throughout the history of the Bible to teach us a lesson. That's what we sometimes may think, oh, it really doesn't matter. God really doesn't care. He does. Let me illustrate that to you. When the early church started, at the end of Acts chapter 4, the, the church is still at Jerusalem. There's a lot of people there. A lot of people need food. They need other things. A man by the name of Barnabas had a field. He sold it. He brought the proceeds from that, laid it at the apostles' feet. The apostles took that money and distributed it as people had need. Get to chapter 5, and there's a man and his wife, Ananias and Sapphira. They have a piece of land. They go and they sell it, and they bring part of the proceeds of it and lay it at the apostles' feet. But the problem's not that they sold the land, that they just gave part of it. The problem was that they lied about it. They were wanting the praise for giving... They wanted to be patted on the back, to be commended. And they lied to the apostles. 
You know what God did? Struck Ananias down. You know what He did? Struck Sapphira down. You know why? He wanted the church to know you don't lie to God. Great fear came on all the church. Our God is to be respected. Or as Hebrews chapter 12 says, our God is a consuming fire. Let me take you to another passage of Scripture. In Numbers chapter 16, Moses and Aaron are leading the children of Israel. There's a man by the name of Korah. He has a couple of compatriots also by the name of Dathan and Abiram. And they're looking at Moses and Aaron and saying, you take too much on yourselves. Dathan and Abiram said, you know, you're acting like a prince over us, like you're our king, you're our leader. And Moses said, well, I'll tell you what you do. You bring your men, Korah. Each one of them bring his censers. You put your incense on it. We're going to see who sacrifice God will accept. You may already know that what happened is God told the people, get away from them. The earth opened up and swallowed the families of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. But you still got those 250 men who have their censers. And according to number 16 in verse 35, and fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering incense. Do you think God got their attention? Absolutely He did. When the earth swallows those people up and the ones who are coming there and they've got their censers and God burns them up, God is getting their attention. I've already made reference to Uzzah. 2 Samuel 6 and verse 7, The anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah and God struck him there for his error and he died there by the ark of God. What do those lessons teach us? Whether it's Nadab and Abihu, Korah, Dathan and Abiram, Uzzah or Ananias and Sapphira, the lesson is simply clear. You better be careful when you come before God. God doesn't accept people being careless and calloused before Him. You see, Leviticus 10.3 said, God said, I must be regarded as holy. When you and I enter worship here, our worship better be holy. It better be the kind that is devoted to God, not just any old thing will do. In the book of Malachi, God had specified what kind of sacrifices He wanted. You know what they were doing? He said, But cursed be the deceiver who has in his flock a male that takes a vow, but sacrifices the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is to be feared among the nations. God said to them, You bring this blind, this lame, this blemished animal, and you offer it to me. He said, I won't take it. You've got to treat me as holy. Do you know when you and I sing our songs, when we pray our prayers, when we partake of the Lord's Supper, when we study, when we give, 
we ought to be regarding God as holy. This is not a common assembly. This is an assembly of praise. We've already studied the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 5 just a few weeks ago, but let me remind you of verses 1 and 2 of chapter 5. Walk prudently when you go to the house of God and draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they do evil. Do not be rash with your mouth and do not let your heart utter anything hastily before God, for God is in heaven and you're on earth, therefore let your words be few. You come before God, you come with respect. You treat this service with all the dignity, the honor, and the respect that you can. Our worship has to be approached seriously. When you and I open those songbooks or look up to the screen and we sing those words, those are not just ordinary words. There's a songs of praise. And God should be highly respected. Failure to obey God brings about disastrous consequences. Those two young men, Nadab and Abihu, learned the lesson the hard way. And this account is in the Bible for you and I to realize God demands and deserves to be respected. If you are not a Christian, here's what God calls upon you to do. He calls upon you because of your sin to believe in His Son, Jesus Christ, who is the Redeemer of all sins. He calls upon you to repent of those things that you have done that are wrong. Acts 13, Acts 2, verse 38, and many other passages teach the importance of repenting of one's sins. And then to confess that you believe that Jesus is the Christ, Acts chapter 8, and then to be baptized. What a solemn event that is, to be immersed in water, for the remission of your sins. If you are a Christian already and you look at the sin in your life and you know that you need to confess those faults and to be restored to faithfulness, we stand ready to assist you, but it is God who is the one who forgives. We're going to sing the song number 520, and if you need to respond, would you come as together we stand and sing.